horchada, enchiladas, tostadas. The semi-annual holiday Lord of the Rings watching marathon has begun. Um, let's see if we can get this chair to shut up. Okay. Hey, greetings programs. It's Anchor Infernale back once again to talk at you with another RPG talk. This is, I think, episode seven. So how crazy is that? We're actually getting somewhere here. We're getting into the nitty gritty. So welcome back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in and as always, thank you so much for supporting on Patreon. Um, you guys are actually going to start enabling me to do ad-free videos, and I'm going to shout out to everyone on Patreon when I do that. So uh, my next set of videos are all going to be ad-free, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. So thanks again. So welcome back to RPG Talks. Now, uh, today we're going to talk about wipeouts. And I know that I've had a TPK sort of death TPK video that I put up quite a ways back. And uh, a lot of the same principles here apply. It's just I wanted to bring it into an RPG talk so that we could get sort of further into it. But more so what I wanted to talk about was wiping out, not a total party kill. And, and there is a big difference there. And I think that difference and the avoidance of the, the wipe um, could be one of the biggest things that's holding you back as a dungeon master as far as trying new things, as far as playing things right out of the book, as far as making up new stuff. In a lot of ways, I think that that justified fear of a wipeout can be a really tough psychological enemy, even for a totally badass dungeon master. Now, as we always do in RPG Talks, let's just take a second before we get into the main topic here and uh, rummage around. Let's see, what do we got over here? Stick around. Take a look in this mailbag. Here, cue that music, will you? Mailbag day, mailbag day. Let's go see what's in the mail today. Mailbag day, mailbag day. Okay, we got a really good one, and kind of a little one, uh, a little bit out of left field here. Uh, and it comes from Cameron, who's in the uh, the Abtab group, and he was at AtCon this summer, and I met him, and he's a crazy awesome dude. And he hit me up on Facebook. And he's just sort of assembling a little bit of an essay about character creation. And he just asked me sort of candidly, you know, how do you approach character creation? And, you know, being a player and making characters and playing characters is something I almost never talk about, either on YouTube, on my Facebook, or, or here in, uh, in Runehammer on Patreon. Now, why is that? I mean, mainly because I am a noob when it comes to being a player. I don't know what I'm doing. I've been a DM most of my life. I mean, I've played a good amount, but I don't feel like I have a lot of tips about how to do like clever, you know, synergy builds is a common theme for player tips. Um, you know, how to sort of get the most out of is a common discussion for players. I don't know those things. Not only do I not power play, I tend to self nerf in the extreme. So in the campaign I'm joining on Wednesday, I'm going to join a new group of all new people, and uh, that's really exciting. But I'm joining in as a level 5 character, and uh, this is against all my instincts. I mean, I'm used to making not only level 1 characters, but level 1 characters with no equipment and very few skills. And, you know, they more survive on personality and, and being a person that believes in things. 
Anyway, that's a big intro for this answer to the question that I really thought would be um, substantive to give here on RPG Talks. So my answer to how do you make a character, how do you go about making a character, a lot of people fixate on the mechanical part. And so I can answer the question mechanically very quickly. I, I build right out of the book, and then I nerf about half of what I'm supposed to get as far as skills, feats, and equipment. And then I roll 3d6 per stat down the line, one sequence, and that's what I get. And then what I do is I will adapt mechanically to what I get as far as stats go. So I will work with it, basically. I'm not in the game to get high stats. I really think the low stats are the most interesting part of the game, and I like being that character. If you don't like being that character, there's lots of other methods to get better stats, and you should stick with those. This is only for people who are kind of into this kind of jam, right? Because you can wind up with like a six constitution and stuff. So that's the mechanical piece. Very simple. And, And you know, I avoid most of the mechanical complexity in my characters. Like, I don't take all the spells I'm allowed usually. I Sometimes I don't take, you know, character abilities and feats and stuff because they just make my life complex. And I really like to focus on being me rather than, you know, mechanically playing. So that's just the quick kind of not really my focus answer to how I create a character. The real answer for me of how I do it and how I wind up with, I guess, what some people perceive as kind of creative and wacky characters is the first step that I take is I try to get a little bit of information, right? I don't want too much, but I need a little bit of information. You know, I, I need to know a little bit about the setting from the DM. Not much, but I like, I like to know just a little bit. And then I like to, this is the fundamental step that I do. I like to sort of emotionally open to this next character. Now, what... Uh, you're talking more esoteric, weird stuff again, Hanker, and you're doing it again, dude. <laughs> like, what in the devil is being emotionally open? Well, this is a moment of not thinking about what class you're going to be, not thinking about what race you're going to be, not thinking about any of it. Just taking a moment, take a deep breath in through the nostrils, out through the mouth. <laughs> Let the cosmos flow through you for a moment. And I mean that in the cheesiest New Age way that it can be taken. Just take a second to let your mind go quiet and stop thinking about what you're going to do next and let a moment of awareness pass over you. Now, this is not an easy thing to do, but if you can refine this skill and be open to the refinement of this skill, because honestly, it's a little weird, right? This is not common talk in our modern society, not in most circles anyways, of the, the, the skill of emotionally opening yourself to whatever's next or whatever thoughts may come or whatever the cosmos has in store for you. But actually to do this in earnest and be sincere with yourself. You don't need to be embarrassed or feel weird about it. This is you inside of you. It, there's, there's nowhere to hide. So this is the first step that I take, is that I just want to breathe for a moment, and you're kind of asking yourself, how do I feel? And this is what I call emotional openness. And, And you honestly ask yourself in a moment of introspection, how do I feel right now? And whatever that answer is, that first answer, it's absolutely critical to developing this skill that you not second guess it. 
that you take whatever that answer is that just pops up in the darkness of your mind and there, quickly. And if you have to, write it down to capture it or believe in it and then begin investing in that concept or that answer or that distraction or whatever, whatever that little spark is, you're going to say to yourself, not only was that an accurate answer to my question, but that is my own oddball little moment. And I'm going to say, that's my anchor. I'm going to build my character on this anchor. Now, I'm not saying that everyone should do this, but again, I was asked personally, how do I make characters? And this is what I do. So in the case of this new character that I'm making for the campaign that I begin next week, I I took this moment. I, I did this a moment of emotional, you know, blank slating of just Breathe, let the thoughts leave, and then whatever thoughts begin to cascade in, those are the next ones you get, and there's something there. And actually, this has never happened to me before, but because of events that are happening in my life right now, I am a little bit reminded recently of how kid-like my life is, and, and not in a bad way in a way that I'm very proud of. I, I, I still live like a sort of enthusiastic kid in a lot of ways. I mean, I get my responsibilities handled. You know, I'm an accountable adult. <laughs> but in a lot of ways, my tastes are kid-like, and I love to live a kid-like life. I love to be interested in, in fun toys and friends getting together and pretending and imagining, and I love that, all that kind of stuff, and I'm, I take pride in that. And this was one of the first thoughts that popped into my head is, man, I'm living like a kid these days. Like, this is after a few days of eating, like, a hot dog and some ramen, you know, for food. <laughs> so anyways, that was my answer. That doesn't really have anything to do with D&D, but then I realized, oh man, there's my idea. So I'm actually rolling a kid character. And I've never done this before. This isn't an angle that I'm playing. I'm not looking for, you know, a hide bonus or something. I'm not, None of that stuff, it just occurred to me like, oh man, I'll be a kid. And you know what? It started making more and more sense because I'm joining a group that's been together for a while. I'm really crummy at playing characters that are over like seventh level because I don't have any experience with it. Well, very little. And it gives me a perfect context. Now, I don't mean like I'm going to be a five-year-old. I mean, you know, I'll be like a, you know, maybe a sort of 12-year-old kid or a 14-year-old kid. You know, just enough where he's a little bit grinding his teeth at not being treated like an adult, but he can hang with the adults because he has like, you know, oddly high dexterity or something. Like he's a, you know, a nimble little sort of thief character or archer type character. This archetype, then I realized, oh, this is just like Sparrow from my novel. She's the exact same character. She's like 13 she wishes she could fall in love with the older character in the book, but she's too young and she, it it hurts her. And But she's still super capable in battle and stuff. And So bang, I've got my idea. So then I started building my, my concept around this idea. And the rest is not that interesting. The rest is how a lot of people think out their characters, which is a little bit of backstory. You know, the name is always one of the first steps I do. I get that name. And that name is a campfire around which I can gather and get warm. And that warmth becomes the character. So this is my new character, and for once I'm going to play human, which is very weird for me, um, and uh, his name is Frost, and it's a nickname because he has this like really long, hard-to-pronounce sort of uh, Icelandic name, and he just prefers to be called Frost. And so that's going to be my, my kid, and uh, basically the weather has gone terrible in the north of this world, and it's not getting any better with spring. And uh, his father sent the grown-up sons to go on adventures to go find out what's wrong with the weather. 
and Frost, against his family's wishes, also snuck off to go on his own adventure to see if he could find answers to this new calamity. And that that's my character. And then the rest I'm going to figure out as I go. I'm going to meet my new friends and go on adventures. So I'm really excited. But uh, thanks, Cameron, for asking the question. And uh, that was the biggest piece of mail that I got this week. And there's one more piece. The second awesome letter that came my way this week um, came again on Facebook where a lot of you know private conversations are taking place about people's games. And he had a bit of a dilemma on his hand. And it's a perfect fit to, for today because they had a wipeout. Now, he didn't describe it as a TPK. You know, everyone got killed. That's a TPK. No, he described it as a wipe. That means they were defeated, right? And in, you can take that in whatever way that it means, but that's what today's discussion is about. But their group suffered this wipeout, and they had never encountered this kind of situation before. This is not really a normal thing for their game, right? Some people are used to it. So it wasn't the fact that they wiped out that was troublesome. It was the cause and the way that it happened that was troubling this dungeon master. And he was basically asking me about methods to pull up, which we talk about a lot in the context of TPKs and wipes is how do you pull up from it? What do you do next? Now, he actually had a good re uh, answer to that. You know, they took a 20 minute break. He had sort of tribunal about what do you think we should do next and so on and so forth. And they, and they worked with it. It's why and how they wiped that I think is interesting for the purpose of Mailbag Day. And I guess it's just a story I want to relay to you guys so that if you see it happening in your group, maybe you can prevent this from happening because I don't think it's a good feeling. So what happened is their druid used a quote-unquote broken spell combination that he had seen on YouTube, and I'm not going to mention who did the video, but... I think the video was made to create a controversial video name, a, you know, a, a very clickable, controversial video name and topic. And this player, unfortunately, took this sort of quote-unquote broken mechanic and used it during a clutch boss fight. The, the so-called broken mechanic was basically using uh, conjure woodland spirits and then you can conjure like fairies and then you can use polymorph in a combination and turn those fairies like into T-Rexes or something. In, and then you have like 40 T-Rexes at your disposal, right? So you're like this invincible super army. So unfortunately, this, this character tried this and he did polymorph and I think he was limited a little bit in his spell power and uh, I think it was dire badgers. So he turned these fairies into dire badgers. But the uh, enemy that they were fighting, you know, had immunities to, to beasts or to non-magical attacks and stuff like that. And actually the badgers were then turned against them. And like this whole thing kind of just went foobar on them. Now, an encounter going foobar is not a bad thing. I think just what's a little bit of a bummer here is that maybe some content that was created just to be sort of fun and controversial found its way to the table and resulted in this crash for this group. If your group is going to crash, I think that's totally okay. That's part of the fun of the adventure. That's a big part of what today's talk about is about with wipes. But to, to do it because a little bit misconstruing the stuff from YouTube, to me, feels a little crunchy. So I just wanted to tell you guys, you know, this is what occurred in this mail that I received. And uh, the DM being really awesome and being very patient just said, hey, okay, we wiped out. Let's take a little break and have a snack. 
And, you know, when everybody's emotions are coming back down to nominal, let's get back to the table and sit around and say, you know, what do we want to do next? We have this storyline. We could we could sort of have a, a wake up, you know, kind of continuation. We could make new characters. We could fast forward in the world and see how you guys' demise affected the world. And they considered these options and proceeded. And that, to me, is just beautiful. But I guess the the word of warning here is that, you know, there's so much content out there nowadays and some of it is very much like, you know, here's something that can help you play. And some of it is a more just like, you know, novelty. Um, and I think that's what this particular case was, was like, well, look at this crazy little eddy of rules that I found over here, which is remarkable. I don't have any of that kind of, I don't have the mind for that kind of stuff. So it is, it is fun to see that that kind of crazy combo is possible. But I think it's a bummer that a player would then scratch his chin and go, ooh, 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 I'm going to put that in the game, and it's not his normal behavior, and they kind of had a wipeout. So how about that one, huh? I just thought I'd share that one with you guys. It's kind of crazy. It just goes to show that the meta level of D&D is becoming very internet uh, you know, uh, sensitive. And so I, I just find it interesting, and it makes me want to double down on my discipline with what I say uh, in my various sort of outlet channels. Because people are taking it to heart, you know, and so many new people are coming to the hobby right now. I think it's important to to have that, uh, you know, integrity about what can really help. And uh, maybe not to fixate so much on what I call the Karibo effect. So if you guys ever played Yu-Gi-Oh, um, one of the great sort of combos that made Yu-Gi-Oh legendary was he used these fuzzy little creatures, but he could replicate them like almost infinitely with this certain card combo. And you have like... <laughs> 10 million Karibos and they each have one hit point and you know this kind of classic super combo kind of thing that a lot of um, uh, TCG players kind of dream of and I think it's interesting and it's a bit of a novelty but it's not something that I would really want in my game I think it kind of has a strange feel to it so hey that's the mailbag today a lot of positive outcomes from both those things I hope you guys take some inspiration from my bizarre and new agey way of making characters and also that you keep an eye out at your table and uh, and on your internet consumption and see how it's affecting your game and your players and always be ready for some unexpected turn to happen because of how big the brain of all of this is that we're all thinking about D&D together and how many different interesting odd eddies it can form in the hobby. So thanks everybody for the letters and please keep them coming if you listen to the podcast. And uh, let's just keep on thinking deeper into this glorious hobby. Mailbag day, mailbag day. Let's go see what's in the mail today. Oh, the somber tones of the Gregorians welcome us into today's RPG talk. Okay, guys, today we're going to talk about wipes. And why are we going to talk about wipes? Because there's so much coming my way as far as questions. And they aren't just like, hey, my party's all dead. What do I do? No, I think a lot of people actually know what to do when it happens. Stay positive. Keep going. Be open. Keep everyone believing. Keep the story churning in whatever way and provide options and, you know, just be awesome. I think a lot of people know that. I think the less understood effect of wipes and TPKs, which are not the same, we'll talk about that in a second, is that actually it's nerfing dungeon masters out there and, uh, you know, keeping them from playing the game as it can be. Okay, so we got two topics, and let's talk about them in order. So the first one is, what? why is a wipe different from a TPK? And the second one is, 
you know, what does it mean to be nerfed and how can you not do that? Because this is not a desirable situation. A total party kill is where everyone is blown to ashes. And I don't mean killed like they're laying there disabled, right? I mean, you are atomized. You are gutted. Like, everyone is beheaded and their heads are on pikes. I'm, I'm talking TPK with a capital K. It's over. All right? That is one kind of thing. And it's a very extreme situation that doesn't happen very often. What can happen much easier and in a very unexpected way, is a wipeout. Now, this is hitting really close to home for me as a topic because just last week in our Ghost Mountain campaign that I'm running right now with my Oathsworn group, holla to my peoples, we had a situation that I never thought would be deadly or such an obstacle, but I rolled a one on my DM's timer five times in a row. And the result of that was we had five of these like confused, damned souls wandering across this broken bridge with this flaming chasm down below. And originally I had meant these guys almost more as story flavor than a real enemy, but they became so dense and there were so many of them had spawned, it became this whole battle to try to cross this bridge. There was a flaming skull that had been in the previous part of the dungeon. And if you guys know anything about flaming skulls, uh, they're both in index card RPG and in uh, D&D. And they, one of their key aspects is they're never truly destroyed. There's one actually even in um, Echo Wave Cavern, I think, in Fendelver. But they're never truly destroyed until, until those who created them are destroyed or, you know, maybe there's a phylactery or whatever. But anyway, so they defeated this thing, but it's still out and about. So they're, first they're dealing with the damned souls. Then the flaming skull came back from behind them in the cavern they had already explored. They got sort of pinched on this broken and precarious bridge. And then these explosions start going off, which just cause simple dex checks. But if you're standing on the edge of one of these broken bridge fragments, I had to a failed dex check had to mean that you fall and you're hanging by a finger. It just had to. The story wanted it. So before I know it, all my characters are dangling and they're trying to help each other. They have this plank and it just completely flew out of control and one of them slips and falls down into the chasm of fire. So then they're like, no! And one of them grabs this rope, tries to jump like Wesley into the lightning sand, goes straight down, but then takes like one damage when he hits this sort of wall of fire and it's all it takes to knock him out. So he loses his grip on the rope and then he disappears down into the chasm. Then our priest type character, he casts like invulnerability on himself and basically like holds his nose and does a scuba dive down into the fire. Because if they're going, he's got to go and find out. We have one guy left up on the bridge facing down the flaming skull, misses his roll, like with a crit fail, flaming skull comes in, makes his roll, chews his head off. And with his decapitated head, my last surviving player is has those few seconds of life and he sees the flaming skull like devour his body. So we had one character killed with a capital K. I mean, dead and gone, chewed to bits. And then we had three characters who wiped out. They completely failed at the dungeon they were doing. They fell to a completely uncertain future and perhaps death down into a sort of flaming chasm, sort of like Gandalf did <laughs> when he's chasing the Balrog. With a totally uncertain, like, what's going to be down there? Okay, that's the context of what just happened to me. And so wiping, to me, is, is a fascinating concept. But this was not a TPK. A TPK is where we need to deal with the fact that our party's entire objective has now been failed. 
and we are all killed, and whatever evil we're trying to stop is probably going to run amok, and the world is going to change as a result of this. A wipeout is more like we have a major setback. And there is your real difference you can take to the bank as a dungeon master. A wipeout is a massive setback, an emotional setback, as well as a, a, a little bit of a humility check. You know, a lot of these guys had all these magical items and all these upgrades and all this stuff, and they're staring at a future where maybe a lot of that's gone. I, I don't know. I haven't written what's coming next. <laughs> We're going to play next week. So probably two days before the session, I'll pull it together. But here's what I want you to see as a dungeon master and join me in thinking deeply about it is the wipeout is okay. Setbacks give context. Total party kills you do not want to be happening very often. And so you might want a little bit of monster mercy when everyone's down and other things like that. But I think everyone is generally pretty familiar with how to avoid brutal TPKs. But avoiding unexpected wipeouts is completely different. Now, the talk today that I wanted to do is not about what to do next. It's about seeing this difference and being okay with a wipeout. And by okay, what I mean to say is there's a chance it's going to happen and actually it could be one of the coolest moments in your game. All right, so that's the difference between a TPK and a wipe, right? Nothing huge and controversial there, but fun conceptual tool for you to see as a dungeon master as the threshold to push with danger. Push the threshold of wipeouts. Don't so much push that TPK threshold. That's for players to kind of decide. They they can suicide against the dragon, but I wouldn't push them to do so as a dungeon master. Okay, so now the deeper and more interesting component of the wipe talk is its effect on you. And I know that nothing I can say will ever be true for everyone. The world is far too huge and far too detailed and complicated and diverse. But I know this is true of me. And I dared to go beyond it last Thursday. And it was terribly rewarding. And that's why I wanted to share it with everybody. Now, what did I do that's different? The thing that I did was different is that I played the Flaming Skull monster straight out of the index card RPG core book. I mean, straight out of the book. I did not nerf it, twink it, change it in any way. Now, your reaction to that might be like, so what? <laughs> but if you read those monster designs, some of them are absolutely brutal. And they really do demand player creativity to avoid some of these power combinations or synergy builds that monsters can have, right? And instead of avoiding that and making it a little simpler so that the story could move forward and maybe, you know, ignoring this little piece or that little piece, I didn't. I played the thing straight as written. And when I did that, it became terribly deadly and hard to beat. But there was something that happened that was really magical there, which is I got to tell my players, I'm playing this Flaming Skull straight out of this book, so here it comes. And it was a great feeling. I've done this a little bit in D&D about uh, two years, two and a half, three years ago. I was playing things straight out of the book um, right at the beginning of our really big Heroes of Lork campaign. But I just, I really like to create and tweak monsters a lot. It's part of the fun as being a dungeon master. And so I don't do it that often. But this time around, 
I went for it. I played it exactly as it was written and it made it so damn powerful because if you think of the creativity behind monster design it's generally done in the spirit of creating powerful combinations with lock and key type solutions or avoidance tactics right that's the fun of different monsters that's the fun of monster lore knowing those lock and key tactics, knowing those power combinations. That, that's what's so neat about the menagerie of D&D. So this time around, I just went for it. And that thing became terribly deadly. We had a wipeout. The wipeout was so poignant and meaningful for our group. We lost one of our favorite characters, one of our most sort of troubled characters, which is also sort of dark. But we just had a great time. And when, when I was coming off that awesome feeling, you know, when your game is done and you did a good job DMing and your players were totally engaged and it was a really fun night of gaming, you have that feeling of like kind of, you know, going to get something to eat after the session's over and thinking about it. And my first thought was like, man, why haven't I been playing monsters right out of the book like that? And my inner voice instantly responded, dude, if you did that, you would be killing characters like every game. The monsters are written really tough. I think it's because I have a fear of the TPK and honestly, a fear of the wipeout that I will nerf down or basically not so much nerf, but disregard synergies and power combos and monsters to avoid this fear. And I think it's a good fear. It's a justified fear that a dungeon master doesn't want to be wiping people out all the time. I know that killing characters is a common meme of dungeon masters that were supposedly like sadistic, you know, character sheet terror uppers and all this kind of silly stuff. I really think that's just, uh, you know, slapstick comedy. I don't think any good dungeon master is amused or seeking the death of any character or player in, in any form. I, I think that's just humor. We're not like that. We're better than that. But what we don't want to become, and this is what I wanted to talk about today, is a dungeon master who will coddle or protect your players. I know this is a, a bit strange to say those two things in the same sentence, right? We're not sadistic player killers, but then to say, don't protect your characters, but there's a really important difference there. The one is dark spirited and the other one is saying, don't make things easy for them. Why is this? Why? Why do I want to deliver this message to you guys so much? Why was I so excited to hear it in my own inner voice when I was thinking? It was because I think it's really easy to underestimate players. To, to accidentally think that they are their stats. That, oh, there's no way with their stats they can do this. Or to, to underestimate the depth to which they will go to accomplish a thing. The resourcefulness. To underestimate their togetherness, too. Like, no one knew that our guy Dallas was going to grab a rope and jump down into the flaming chasm. That was one of the most noble things his character has ever done. He's kind of known to be a little bit of a, you know, a lean backer as a character. So it was amazing. We wouldn't have had that amazing moment if the things had been nerfed so they could move through. There's like a huge story point at the far end of this broken bridge that I was so excited to dish up to them. But since I didn't nerf the wipeout, we never even got there. Now I have no idea where this campaign is going. And it's become the job of DMing it has made has become even more fascinating. And this is why I don't want you to nerf your wipeouts. Because 
you really, honestly, if you take a, a true hard look at dungeon mastering, the renewal part of it, the funnest part of it, the thing that keeps you coming back to it is the unexpected stuff. Otherwise, you could just write a novel. It's the unexpected craziness of the players that keeps you coming back and keeps you fighting DM burnout and keeps you showing up at the table. And if you don't nerf the wipeout, you're going to get more of that. And that means more like adrenaline and dopamine as a reward and for excitement as a dungeon master. And that means you're going to learn faster, get better at it and do more of it. And I assume you're listening to this podcast right now because that's what you want. Okay, so that is a little bit of a chronicle, both of what happened to me recently and the sort of insight that it unlocked in me. So I'm sorry, Ghost Mountain players, but you're probably staring down the barrel of (laughs) more played from the book monsters. But now that we have this context of deadliness, I think there's going to be a little bit of a different tone in our game. And I think monsters are going to be treated with some reverence and... uh, that flaming skull is still not destroyed. The very last thing that the the decapitated head of our dead player saw is the flaming skull chewing up parts of his body, floating upward, and then zipping straight down into the flaming chasm to chase the rest of the group. So it's like, whoa. <laughs> but you guys have stories like that coming out your ears because you're all in awesome games every week. And uh, so I thank you for all the the messages and all the interaction and just where we're taking all this stuff. My games wouldn't be nearly as cool if it weren't for all you guys. And I hope that goes two ways. So long story short, moral of the story and all that good stuff is don't be afraid of the wipeout, especially in your subconscious. Your subconscious as a dungeon master is what could be making you inadvertently nerfing or simplifying encounters and monsters to coddle or protect your players because you love them so dang much. Give it a try like I did to let go of that for a session. Send me a private message. Let me know what happens. You know, did your played from the book monster just decimate them all and you hate me? Or did it make your game a little more rich and unpredictable? You know, who knows? But remember, keep that reverence around a TPK. A wipeout and a TPK are not the same thing. And knowing that difference, playing the nuance between that difference and playing it from the heart, well, that's one of the core skills of being a dungeon master and playing D&D like a badass, just like I know you guys and gals out there are doing. So that's that's about it for this talk. I want to wrap it on up and uh, thank everybody. And hey, happy holidays, all right? If you're up in the States and doing Thanksgiving, then uh, happy holidays to you and happy holidays for the rest of the holiday season. It's goodwill to men and uh, Love everybody around you. It's a good skill to practice. Okay, so I'll catch you guys soon. Next up, we have um, the third and surprising chapter of the Rangers of Numidia saga. So stay tuned to that before November is over. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you for your patronage. And uh, may your dice roll high. And in those high rolls, may you find strength. May you find honor. And may you guzzle the goldest of gar. That's Hanker and Fernale, signing off.